news. Play breakdowns. Power rankings. Storylines you never hear talked about. Anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Objective Basketball Podcast with S. Lauren joining me as always. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday. We're recording this on Monday, technically Tuesday when you're listening to it. So we have a guest talking about the Phoenix Suns, lead Suns writer for Phoenix underscore sports. I I guess, do you call it Phoenix sports or do you do PHNX? Anyways, look, um, lead Suns writer for for all things Suns related, uh, Gerald Bourget. How you doing, man? Bourget, sorry. I'm... Yeah, no, I'm doing good. How about Did you? Did I pron- pronounce one the 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 place that you work at correctly, and two the last <laughs> name? I think I got the second second part right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we we do it just like DNVR. We do PHNX. Okay. We spell out the letters. Okay. Um, so you you got it on the second okay. try. For I'm sure. happy. <laughs> I'm happy we got it on the second try. Okay. Um, so yes, we're here to join uh, Gerald to talk about the Phoenix Suns and. So far, uh, Gerald, to be honest with you, man, I wish we had gotten you guys a little bit later in the season. You know, we did our little uh, fan wheel them spinning thing and we landed on the Suns to talk about them this week. Wish I had gotten you guys a little bit later because um, we haven't seen the full strength team, right? We haven't seen KD, Book and Beal together uh, pretty much every game. It's either been one of them that has missed Um how has it been from your perspective covering the team and trying to get an idea for what this team will eventually look like when they're all healthy, when you haven't seen it yet? Yeah, it's, it's been tough. The vibes around here are not fantastic right now. Um, you know, a lot of fans were worried about the health of the big three coming yeah. into the season. And we only got to see glimpses of what those three could look like on the court together during preseason. And it was great, but, you know, preseason is preseason. You can only take so much from it. Um, And to start the season, Beal's only played three games. Devin Booker's only played two. So all of the off-season narratives that we heard about how the Suns don't have a point guard, how the Suns are the Nets 2.0, all this other stuff, like, we haven't been able to prove it wrong (laughs) so far. Like, And it's, uh, it's frustrating because this is a team that I think at full strength could be really special offensively. And right now they're having to lean very heavily on Kevin Durant to kind of carry them, which is not great for a 35 year old with a significant injury history himself. Um, so it's, it's been, uh, there's been a lot of negative vibes around here. It's, it's been kind of chicken little central. Like I, like I said earlier, like it's, it's the sky is falling. Everything's the end of the world. The sun's bench is terrible. Like every narrative you could think of under the sun, bowl bowl needs to play more minutes. We're, we're already oh, there. God. Are we already <laughs> at the bowl bowl part of the season? That's we're there. <laughs> we're there. Um, yeah, no, we, you know, Man. we were, Lauren and I, when the season started, we we obviously had some questions, probably like a lot of fans here, about what the Suns look like. Uh, and I think you're right. This first two or three weeks hasn't really done anything to alleviate any of those concerns. But I think for the most part, you do have to give them the, the benefit of the doubt just because you haven't seen the three together. And like you said, we saw it in preseason. We saw how, uh, yes, it's preseason. It doesn't matter. But 
at the same time, you saw how offensively dominant they could be in spurts. So you have to give them that benefit of the doubt. You have to give them the leeway to be able to figure things out. I want to ask, just because we have had some injuries here between the top three, does that give you any more concern that, hey, maybe those those injury issues maybe are more valid than people thought they would be? I actually, going into it, I actually thought those concerns were a little bit less worrisome because I said, oh, Beal has kind of mailed it in a couple of different seasons. It hasn't been the injuries for him necessarily. Yes, the injury concerns exist for KD. Book misses time here and there every season, but for the most part, when playoffs come, he is fully healthy. I wasn't really concerned about the injuries until these first three or four weeks. How do you feel now kind of being in it for the last month? I I think I was on the same page as you as far as like, yes, it's a concern, but I think it's a little overblown because I did think like you that Bradley Beal had missed time to close the season because that's where the Wizards were and there's no point in rushing back from an injury with a team that's, you know, capped out at 35 wins every year. Um, but the back, you know, back injuries are tricky. They can be really difficult. You can do everything right. And you could brush your teeth the wrong way and wake up and you tweak your back. I like actually, it's not, that's not a great thing. Not brushing my teeth. <laughs> I, I, but no way. I, I was picking, <laughs> up, I was picking up newspaper. I was literally picking up a newspaper and I pulled my back. I was out for two weeks from work. It was tough. It was tough. Oh so yes. My. Yeah. yeah. It's, it can, it can take anything. And, you know, playing at a high level in the NBA, jumping from, I think, 24 minutes his first game back to 32, his second game back. You know, he was telling us in his third game that he felt like he kind of tweaked it. It was his first setback in that third game, just kind of a buildup of how he's responding to the ramp up. And that kind of thing can linger. It can be a lingering problem. So there is definitely concern. But for me, it's honestly kind of the same level of concern I had going in. Like, you knew if this team could not stay healthy and get you know, 50 to 60 games at least together with the big three to build that continuity, that cohesion heading into the playoffs, they were probably going to run into the same problem as last season against a team like maybe the Denver Nuggets that have all of that chemistry, all that familiarity on their side. You would have a more talented version of the Suns team that lost to Denver last year, but those same problems would still probably arise against a team like that. So I'm, I'm still kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't feel like this team season truly starts until those big three get healthy. And we knew this coming in, like as long as those three are on the court, they have a chance to win a title. And if they're not, you know, they're capped out at probably like a second round, maybe conference finals. exit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad you phrased it that way. As far as like the big three, until you really see the three of them, you know, you can't necessarily pinpoint exactly what you expect from the team. As far as it being early on in the season with a long-term outlook is this the sort of situation where it's like, we just got to get to the playoffs? Because obviously you hear some of these teams that have these these big top heavy guys, and, and I'm not saying Phoenix is necessarily just that, but I think with a team like Phoenix and with these three individuals, I think you might have, you might from the outside feel stronger about those three as a trio and who they are than maybe some of these more recent trios. And so for Phoenix, even though they've gotten off to maybe a little bit of an underwhelming start, you know, with the injuries considered, do you think that they're just fine to sort of be like, whatever happens in the regular season happens, we'll build as much continuity as we can with some of the lineups and and making changes from here, like within the rotation. Do you trust this trio enough to be like, let's just see where we're at come playoff time? Or do you think that they need to kind of be evaluating things maybe a little bit early on in the regular season? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I think with this big three, I've been higher on this big three than a lot of big threes we've seen in the recent past, just because these are three guys that can play on or off the ball. They make the right pass. They're not, they can score. They can get you a bucket at any time in ISO. They can ground, you know, a bench heavy unit if you stagger them. But playing together, like they're very interchangeable in terms of all being good spot up shooters, all being adept in the pick and roll, all being good playmakers and drivers and all of these different attributes that they bring. It gives, you know, Frank Vogel and Kevin Young a lot of interchangeability and in what they can plan on offense. So I think to a certain extent, as long as you get them out on the court for some amount of time during the regular season to just build that familiarity I think you can give anybody a run for their money in a seven game series. But, you know, like I said, that continuity, especially against a team like a Denver, who as of right now, there's no reason to remove them from kind of the title favorite spot in the West. Like that's a team that you're going to have to run into and star power alone is not going to save you in a series like that. So it's one of those things you definitely need those guys healthy to build habits. And also I'll say this, like, it's not just the big three either. Like, the role players for the Suns have been thrown into drastically different roles than they're going to occupy when Devin Booker's out there running the point or when Bradley Beal is, you know, 100% or something like that. Like, Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon have been functioning as starting point guards, basically, which is not what they're going to be asked to do. Those are great secondary playmakers and spot-up shooters, but, you know, they're needing them to be drivers, to be pick-and-roll guys, like all these different things that you normally wouldn't expect of them and there's going to be the readjustment process when you get used to having to do those things. And then those guys come back and now you got to figure out, okay, how am I going to play off of this guy and that guy? Um, so it, it'll take some time for sure. But I do think they need that time, uh, even with the talent level that they have to have their big three all out there. So together. there's, there's a, a fourth part of this equation. Uh, and we've had a chance to see how Yusuf Nurkic looks uh early on right and mm-hmm. there's been some hit or miss moments uh from the games that i've watched i mean there there was a performance where he had three rebounds in one of those games and i i think i remember <laughs> that game being a pretty bad one but there have been some moments where you think it works uh and i i think the playmaking pops off when nurkic is playing a little bit that high post playmaking actions that he does i think ultimately the the rebounding is better than that three rebound performance that he had and just a guy who is willing to do the dirty work, I know that's something that a lot of Suns fans have appreciated and is probably a little bit different than what DeAndre Ayton gave you uh, over the last, you know, I, I, I'm not going to re- revisit that. I'm not going down that road. But I, I mean, just in general, how have you felt about Nurkic so far, the fit, how he might look, and I guess concerns and the positive side of things for, for how it's looked so far this season? Yeah, I think you're spot on. I I think there's been some good and there's been some bad. And I think it's pretty much what we've been expecting from him. You know, um, one of the biggest things with DeAndre Ayton that I had been hammering home for the last few years and that the Suns clearly felt was an issue was when their lead guys, Booker or KD, would get double teamed coming off screens and they would feed him that bounce pass, that pocket pass in a short roll. DA would short circuit with a low man in front of the basket and it would nine times out of 10 be a pull-up mid-range jumper with still space to drive or some sort of issue to be forced. Like, I think he's only been to the free throw line three times this year in Portland. And that's very much something that here in Phoenix, it was like, just take one power dribble and go up strong, draw a foul. He's a great finisher at the rim, but he just doesn't have that short roll 
element to his game. Nurk definitely does have that. Like he will, he's not a great finisher, which is a whole separate problem, but he will put the ball down. He will, he will stick his shoulder into somebody. He'll go up. And more importantly, he'll be able to draw in that low man and kick it to a weak side three point shooter, keep the offense moving, keep the ball moving, make it so that the offense doesn't stall out whenever their big gets hit with that short roll pocket pass. Um, and we've seen him kind of facilitate at the top of the key as well. He's a good dribble handoff guy. He sets sturdy screens. He's able to throw, you know, one handed passes over the top that DA, you know, those were always two handed overhand bullet passes to the corner. Um, that, that really helps open things up in your offense because when you think about Beal, Book and KD, those guys are all going to get blitzed coming off screens and stuff like that. So having a guy that can keep the offense flowing there is huge. He is a much worse finisher than DA. And that's something we're seeing early on. I think uh, he was shooting like 50% at the rim uh, before the last game or so, and it hasn't gotten better. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so it's uh, it's one of those things where he's never been a great finisher, but you hope that playing with the big three fully healthy will unlock more of his skill set, give him more space to work with. Cause right now, He's another guy that's kind of being asked to do more than I think he will once the big three are healthy. Um, and then defensively, those concerns are always going to yeah. be there. Like, I don't know if he's going to be able to survive in late and tight playoff games. I don't know if Drew Eubanks is the answer, if KD at the five is the answer, if this is something they might have to revisit on the trade market. Because, you know, he, he's trying. Oh, I, like, I Vogel is Lauren one of those smile. guys that's going to... I saw Lawrence smile. He's, <laughs> He's trying. <laughs> he's, he's, he's trying. Like, Vogel's going to do his best to get him to execute the scheme. Um, and when he's up to the level, they've tried some creative things like pre-rotating to cut off those passing avenues and give him time to get back and recover. But at the end of the day, like, teams in the playoffs, they're going to target that mercilessly. They're going to get him switched onto their ball handlers. And he's going to be barbecue chicken in some of those instances. So... It, it's it's still definitely a concern based on what we've seen. What role player has popped out to you the most? Because I think because of the injuries, you've seen an extended run, like you mentioned, guys being in roles that maybe they didn't imagine themselves being in. Uh, we've had a few different looks at different types of starting lineups. Kata Bates, the up, you know, started. I think Eric Gordon started a couple of games. Ooh. You had Josh Okogie who started a few games. So they've they've mixed it up a bunch. Um, who has kind of stood out to you as far as role players on the Suns team? That's a tough one because there hasn't been a ton of consistency. I would probably just say Grayson Allen okay. by default. Um, I, I was kind of high on him coming in. And I think a lot of people here undersold the fact that like, this was a guy that started 70 games for the best regular season mm-hmm. team in the NBA last year. Yeah. Like he's not, I, I felt like him being in a six man role would be really good for this team. He's had to step up and be a starter for the most part. Um, and he's shooting, I think, like 48% or 49% from three to start the year. He's been really capitalizing on the space. And his three-point shooting would be phenomenal if, like, his home and away splits weren't so bad and if the fourth quarters hadn't been so bad. Like, I'm sure we'll talk about the fourth oh, yeah. quarter stuff. But um, but it, it's he's really stepped up as a driver, as a playmaker, and as a three-point shooter, he's very reliable. So it would probably be him by default. Um, just because we've seen really high highs from some of the guys like Eric, Eric Gordon had like a 25 point game. Uh, Drew Eubanks last night had like 15 off the bench. Um, Yuta Watanabe has had a couple games where he shot really well, but then the next game, some of these guys just disappear. So it's very much at the stage, like they're trying to figure out their roles and having those roles change on a night to night basis so far isn't helping right. with that. 
makes sense. Um, I, I guess since we're on the topic of the fourth quarter, let's talk about it now. Uh, last <laughs> night against the Oklahoma yeah. City Thunder, and it wasn't the first game that it's looked like this, but um, it just it just wasn't good. Uh, the turnovers were very, very uh, not even out of place. I just think that like some of the offensive execution is not there right now. Uh, you mentioned the fact that they are running, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, you mentioned how much they're running things through Kevin Durant. And while that works well when you have Beal and Booker on the floor and guys who can spread the floor for you and are equal or better threats, uh, you know, with the ball in their hands, I think it's a lot tougher when you're asking him to come off of a million different pin downs and that is, you know, the bulk of your offense or it's the the high post action and they're running like a rip veer similar to what like the nuggets like to run where you get the switch and then they dump it off into the post. Like there's, there's different elements that I think the nuggets can touch on that maybe they aren't touching on in their offensive execution. That's just not there in the fourth quarter, but you wrote, you detailed just what's going on with the, with the fourth quarter. So I guess break it down for people. What's wrong? How they might look better? What? Yeah, just in general, it's looked ugly, man. In the fourth quarter, puzzle. Yeah, I, I was up till six in the morning writing my dissertation on the Suns' <laughs> fourth quarter offense through ten games without their big three. So that's yeah. what my life looks like these days. But um, no, it, it's just a myriad of problems, to be honest. Like, obviously, not having Devin Booker, he's as much as Kevin Durant has been phenomenal and is probably their best individual player. Like Devin Booker is the straw that stirs the drink for this team, not just because he's running the point, but because he takes so much pressure off KD to be able to get the ball in more favorable spots. And, you know, the two times they played the Lakers, Kevin Durant's getting the ball on the wing or the post extended and he's turning and he's just seeing like a box and one against him, basically. Like there's, it's a zone coverage designed to take away passes and basically say like, if you make that pass to the far side corner, like, we don't believe Josh Okogie or Kata Bates-Diop is going to hit it. So, like, sure, throw that ball. Um, but it, it, a lot of it is running through Kevin Durant, and I think it's kind of a chicken or egg situation a little bit where it's like, okay, does there need to be more ball movement to involve the role players so they can hit shots, or do the role players need to hit shots so that the Suns feel more comfortable moving the ball and not resorting right. to KD ISOs yeah. all the time? Um, because they have shot the worst percentage in the NBA on wide-open threes – um, this season so far, despite generating, I think, a top 10 mark in wide open threes in the fourth quarter. So, like, I think they're shooting like 15% on those wide open threes in the fourth quarter, which is a tr- the nearest defender six feet away. Like, <laughs> those are shots that professionals should make, need to make. That's why they went out and got Grayson, Eric Gordon, Yuta Watanabe, all these like corner snipers that can knock down this shot. Even Keita last year was a much improved three point shooter. And it feels like on a night-to-night basis, you just don't know what you're going to get out of these guys from a three-point shooting standpoint. And I think part of that is a lot of the offense does get stagnant. They run like a one action. Like you were saying, they do a lot of work to get KD the ball, and then everything just kind mm-hmm. of stops, kind of freezes. And it's like, all right, KD, cook. Like, you know, top five guy in minutes per game at age 35, <laughs> go to work for a full 38 minutes tonight against, you know, the San Antonio Spurs or yeah. whatever. Like, it's, it's not a recipe for success for KD or for anybody else involved. Um, and then the turnovers, like I think they're 28th in turnovers per game. They're dead last in fourth quarter turnovers. They're dead last in pretty much every 
fourth quarter. I, I have the tweet right up now. here. I have um, the tweet up, so I'll I'll, I'll post. Do you? <laughs> this was before the Thunder game last night, which was also bad. So I'm guessing these numbers have changed. Mm-hmm. But 30th in points in the first mm-hmm. quarter, fourth quarter, 29th in assists, 30th in turnovers, 28th in field goal percentage, tw- 27th in three point percentage, 28th in free throws, att- free throws attempted. Excuse me, 29th in point differential, 30th in offensive rating, and then 13th in defensive rating. That is like all bad except maybe the defensive rating they're they're yeah. locking guys up you know but so, tough yeah so they, they dropped to dead last in points assist turnovers field goal percentage point differential offensive rating and they're 29th in three-point percentage so it's not going great right now in the fourth quarter yeah. <laughs> um they've had four different games where they led by at least six points entering the fourth and then lost that game like the both lakers games were that way um, two of those games, they were up by double digits and they still lost. And like the Thunder won. Okay. The Thunder, are a good team, like a six point lead heading, heading into the fourth is not guaranteed against a team like that by any means. But when you shoot two for 21 in that quarter, like it, it goes so far beyond, especially because you have Durant and you have a semi healthy deal out there. Like a lot has to change offensively. And I know this has been a complaint to, about Vogel, and, you know, he's very good defensively, offensively, maybe not so much. Um, but that's why they made Kevin Young the highest paid assistant coach right. in the NBA, like for this reason. There needs to be more activity. There needs to be more second actions after the first one falls through, because it really does feel like if that first action isn't there, they're just going to devolve into, okay, KD, right. go save I will us. say, I do think the ball does stick a little bit. Um, and part of that is KD. He mm-hmm. needs to be better at like moving the ball a little bit in the fourth quarter and getting guys involved. Like you said, the chicken or egg situation, but I do think it sticks mm-hmm. a little bit too much. And it's maybe like co- role players aren't necessarily as confident in their shots. And they're like, well, if we're looking to get mm-hmm. a shot, let's give it to a guy who's top 75. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's give it to the guy who's been making shots his entire career. I, I want to see how that looks through an extended period because we're only, what, nine games in, 10 games in? I don't know. Um, and I think ultimately, maybe a month later, you're seeing, okay, the shots are falling. Maybe it's a little bit of shooting variance here. The shot quality seems to be pretty decent from what we saw last night in Phoenix. I don't know. I think like it's been bad, but it, it also doesn't feel like it's going to be this bad for as long yeah, as they 100%. want it to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. And I, and I think... You know, it shouldn't be all on one player to come back yeah. and fix everything magically. Like Booker is is not that, but he's pretty close to it in terms of like he is a guy that will drive and kick. He's a guy that knows how to leverage his gravity and the defensive attention Absolutely. he draws. And if you have three guys that are offensive hubs like that out there at the same time, then defenses are going to have a really hard time because Kevin Durant was even saying it last night. He feels like opponents are able to kind of throw gimmicky junk defenses his way because they're not being able to make them pay. They're not moving the ball the right way. Um, You know, Yusuf Nurkic and Drew Eubanks kind of outright said, we feel like we're deferring a little bit too much to KD and Beal in these situations. Our offense for three quarters is all about ball movement and sharing the ball, moving, player moving, all of this stuff. And then in the fourth quarter, it just stops. And that's something that needs to be amended because – as much as you could say, okay, four and six with Booker missing eight games and Beal missing seven, that's not terrible. They should really be seven and three. They could even be eight and two, honestly, with some of the leads they've had going into the fourth quarter. 
they have enough to win. They're just tripping over their faces in the fourth quarter. And it's one of those mental like bugaboos that got to get out yeah. of their system. I, uh, I think that's, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's, that's definitely like a concern. And I, I guess ultimately we'll see what happens because it's so early in the season. That's the thing that jumps out to me every time we're having these discussions. It's like, man, the Suns, they're probably going to look mm-hmm. very different in April just from a, <laughs> execution standpoint um and i guess the one other concern heading into this season from the summer was rim pressure and so far this year i know there's been injuries i I understand that but 19th in frequency 28th in accuracy um you think it's going to get any better do do is are there signs of improvement do you think with the book potentially being back there's there's maybe a, a way for that to get better I do. I, I think, especially, honestly, a lot of it I would hinge on Beal just because he's a guy that likes to get to the rim off the dribble. He's a good off-ball cutter as well. I think the Suns are going to be able to utilize that really well when they have KD and Book out there because he'll be, quote-unquote, the third option. Like, good luck because that guy loves running around all over the place and, and catching back doors. And Nurkic is a big that can actually thread the needle on some of those passes yeah. as well. Um, and I think book just being out there opens things up. It's going to open up driving lanes for some of these guys. They're going to get, you know, bad hasty closeouts that they can attack off the dribble in the corners, uh, wing extended, that type of thing. So I think it will get better. And honestly, the accuracy is troubling for sure. I, I think Nurk is probably a big yeah. part of that, but the, the driving rate or the rate of shots at the rim is really good for the Suns because they've been dead last in that category for like the last they two or three years. years. Yeah, that is true. That's definitely true. Yeah. Right. Start. 19th is like, oh, wow, look at them go. <laughs> <laughs> They're really improving. Okay, uh, before we get into the trade segment, Lauren, any other questions that we might have Suns related before we jump into, hey, who they might go after? Yeah. I guess the the one question that I have left, and I think it may be like too early to tell, so I'm a little, little hesitant even asking, but as far as playing significantly smaller and, and kind of shifting more towards less Nurkic minutes potentially and mm-hmm. running more lineups with KD at the five or even Eubanks, even giving him more minutes potentially, do you think that this that's something that could work for them or do you think that that would be putting even more of a, a demand even from a defensive standpoint on KD and on his body do you think that that's something that they should even seriously entertain or where do you stand on potentially them going a lot smaller yeah it, it's a good question and I will say like obviously it is still early like you mentioned so there's a lot of time to learn more about you know what Drew Eubanks brings to the table experiment with different KD at the five lineups but they haven't been great so far. Um, you know, the, the one thing about Katie at the five and like Golden State, for example, was you also had a Draymond usually out there as well. Um, the Suns don't have a guy like that. And I feel like Draymond is what made the small ball lineups, those death lineups oh, yeah. work better than anywhere else that we've seen. Like, it, I, I know a lot of teams have tried to replicate that and some have had some success, but you're just never going to be able to mimic that sort of thing. Um, Eubanks... I'm torn on him because I think he's going to be a more mobile option compared to a guy like Nurk, but the the bar is in hell. So he's just like kind of stepping over that. Like that's not, it's not saying very much in that regard. So like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know if you can survive with Drew Eubanks closing a game against like Nikola Jokic or Anthony Davis um, and KD as much as like him at the five gives you a ton of flexibility spacing on offense. 
defensively, you still got to get a board to close out a stop and you still have to keep opponents out of the lane. He's been a really good secondary rim protector over the years. Um, but I, I just don't know at this stage if that's the way you want to go. So it, it might be a thing that they're experimenting with all season and putting Nurk in these different situations and seeing what he can handle. Because the truth is if he can't stay on the floor late in playoff games, your options there are very limited. If Drew Eubanks isn't that guy, if you don't want to put that toll on KD, like your only other, other option at that point is like Chimezi Metu at the five who has barely played to this point. Or it's time. Yeah. And if, I'm sorry if you need to close a game with Bull Bull. You probably already lost. So it's, it's a hey, maybe one. the buyout market is a is yeah. somewhere you know you can maybe get another backup five Ooh. to just sure things up. Um, you know, obviously the Grizzlies just got Bismack Biombo, and you know Biombo was a five for the Suns last year. So mm-hmm. I'm still surprised they didn't yep. go after and resign him because I thought he was good. I I genuinely thought he was good for you guys last year. What 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 was the reasoning behind just not Roster spots? Yeah. I I just think they kind of wanted to wash their hands of the bench that they had last year and start over. And to be honest, I'm still wondering why Bobo is on the roster and not like a campaign where they traded so they could free up that roster spot for Bobo or Bismack Biombo, who is a legitimate athletic rim protector. Yeah. Like Drew Eubanks is, a, is athletic. He will get up. He loves to dunk on people. He loves to chase shots around the rim, um, but not quite to the degree that Biombo is. And they don't have a, a kind of versatile defender who can, you know, defend in space out on the perimeter like Biombo. So I, I think that was kind of an oversight. And I will say most Suns fans here were wincing when we heard uh, Isaiah Thomas go on that broadcast and talk about how Bobo is the Suns' best uh, <laughs> playmaker. I was like, oh, so that's why he's yeah. on the roster. Yeah, that's right, fantastic. Right. Good. I'm wonder, glad we cleared I that up. If, uh, Isaiah Thomas had anything to do with the Shaq comments too. That Bobo, just like, just like Wemby. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with that? Just like Wemby. Just put him out home. there, Frank Bobo. Come on. Let's see what happens. It's bonkers, man. It's it's yeah. insane. <laughs> um, anyways, we'll see. Hopefully, Devin Booker comes back soon because uh, he makes this team go. He, he, like you said, the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, I don't know why that was so difficult for me mm-hmm. to say. But yes, uh, he is the guy <laughs> that kind of makes everything move for the Suns team. And yeah, it, it, they're going to need him. They're going to need them all at full health for this team to look how they're supposed mm-hmm. to. So, okay, Lauren. It is your time. It is your time to shine. Talk to us this, about potential trades. I know you said there weren't any too crazy spicy ones, but yeah. let's see. The, the Suns have made their spicy trades, so yeah, it's, 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 it's okay. But It's difficult. I feel like for this one, we should do another quick fire sort of, I throw out a name, you say yes or no. But I think we should start with mm. how I was looking at this was, okay, who who on Phoenix would actually potentially be movable and so where i get a little tied up Mm -hmm. is i go to nas little i go to some of the smaller contracts and then you're and then you're looking at okay are they open to moving grayson allen are they open to moving use of nurkic and i think right now i don't think you can necessarily even consider grayson allen being movable maybe i'm wrong there but and then maybe time will tell with nurkic but as far as most of these are centered around nas little plus filling money with some smaller contracts. So okay. with that in mind, mm-hmm. we will do a quick fire. Yes or no to the names. 
Are you ready? Okay. 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 First up, I'm ready. Is a reunion with Alec Burks. Sorry, you okay. cut out Alec, Alec Burks. Burks. Is that what you said? said? Okay. Uh, yes. You would okay. Be open to that, you would be open to that. Okay. I would be. I would be open would to be that. Open to that. Okay. Okay. We're gonna keep it going. Yeah. Okay. I've got Royce O'Neal. Hmm. I'm gonna say no. I think on the wing they'll be okay. Okay. Then, then we'll switch to the guard position. What about Monty Morris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's so tough because I really like having like Josh Akogi and Jordan Goodwin yeah. to just throw it opposing backcourts and be like, yeah. clamp them yeah. up, irritate the hell out of them. But playing them at the same time, your spacing is dead. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if there's enough room for both of them in the rotation, if they're not sharing the court, if that makes yeah. sense. So, and I do think like, as much as I've said, like book is their actual point guard. I think the playmaking will be better when he's back. When Book is not out there, the playmaking has been a little dicey. So having someone that has a little bit more experience in that role would probably be helpful. Fair. So I'll say okay, that. okay. So do you feel like for Phoenix, as far as potentially looking at where where would you want your attention to be in terms of like a prototype? What do you think that? What do you maybe foresee them potentially shifting their attention? Like a position? To? Because is there that, are the, some. There are. Uh, go 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 ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, like positionally, are we, are we talking like positionally, positionally? size-wise? Because there are so many different options. I think the most intriguing option to me is a Nas Little plus a few second-round picks for a Jay Sean Tate and Reggie Bullock. I think that that's something that could be really intriguing oh, for that, well, that would be very nice. Yeah, that would be nice. But I, and, <laughs> that would slap. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that those are two guys that Houston could see as, like, very very um expendable and so Mm. it's the moves like that that i'm like i can see phoenix sort of shoring up the roster that way but i'm not sure if they're looking at like hey we're not going to necessarily need more big wings we're going to maybe need to go for a bigger swing and to think about you know replacing yusuf nurkic with a jared allen type prototype Right. No, I, I think for them, the two positions that they would probably look at, and I, I do love that trait that you brought up, but I think their two positions that they'll probably look at first would be the point guard position for more of a traditional kind of playmaker since they don't have one outside of Booker in that regard. Um, and TJ McConnell is a name that has come up right. in the past. I know when the Suns were negotiating the DeAndre Ayton trade with the Blazers, that for a hot minute there, the Pacers were involved in those talks and TJ McConnell was the guy that the Suns wanted. So he's definitely a guy that's on their radar and he's kind of, I haven't checked his numbers recently, but I felt like to start the season, he was kind of wasting away because they got Halliburton, they got Namhar. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's, he's a guy that, you know, experienced pro could come in, run an offense, give you defense, knock down a spot up three every now and then that's what they would want. And then the bigger swing is like, if you need to, find a Nurkic replacement. If this experiment goes badly, if you need, or not even just a replacement, but someone that you can trust to close games behind him, that is easier said than done though, because you know, Nurkic's trade value was already not high entering the season. It's not going to be any higher if the Suns are like, yeah, we're going to dump this guy four months into his tenure here. Please give us something good for him. 
here's here's a handful of second round I'm picks. Not, like, no comes in. I'm That's looking at I'm looking at just like big men in the league right now, just to mm-hmm. see like who maybe potentially, and not even as a Nurkic replacement, just like as like a supplement to what he can do. Uh, the Hawks with Clint Capella, maybe, you know, that, that seems like yes. something because they're ready to move on to Onyeka Kongu. He's going to be an expiring, like maybe Clint Capella can be had. And I think ultimately maybe you can keep Nurkic and still go out and get him. That could make, yeah. Yes. No, mm-hmm. maybe so. Yeah. Okay. Clint, man, Clint has been on my list of guys the Suns should trade for for years. There's an alternate universe somewhere where Gerald yeah. is covering a team that the Suns drafted Luka Doncic and went after Clint Capella in restricted free agency right. that year. We don't need to talk about that, Gerald, because he's living the good life. But, like, I do think he would be great. Like, I think there are a lot of Suns fans that are probably praying for the Hawks' downfall yeah. this season so that a guy like that is on the market because he would be kind of ideal. He would fill the DeAndre Ayton role of setting screens, being a roller, being a rim protector, rebounder, that type of thing. And also fill the role that DA could not in terms of like, he doesn't care about touches. He's not here to, you know, try to expand his offensive game or prove himself as a number one pick. He wants to win a title and that's the most important thing. So a Capella would be kind of the best case scenario if midseason you need to pivot away from Nurkic as your starter. I have two more for you. Uh, Daniel Gafford okay. or Kelly Olynyk. Cool. These are two teams that, like, you know they're not trying to win. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can go and get out something mm-hmm. for those guys. Gafford is obviously the starting center for the Wizards. I'm going to be watching him tonight with the Raptors. But, um, yeah, maybe something there. Olynyk, he's an expiring. The Jazz are probably going to look for whoever can be the highest bidder there. Maybe two guys that mm-hmm. can work, right? So, you, you know, what's funny is Gafford was a guy that over the summer before the DA trade talks really started heating up. I think I wrote a list of 40 different DeAndre Ayton trades and Gafford was one of them. And I had so many Suns fans that hated the move because apparently they didn't watch Wizards right. basketball. Um, he would be great. He would. He, I mean, he's athletic as hell. He's really good. He's still young. Um, I don't know how ready he'd be to jump from a team like that to a team with like legitimate title aspirations. That's always a question mark with a move like that. But um, that would be, if you need to pivot from Nurkic, I would definitely be open to that. Kelly Olynyk is interesting because I feel like he's a similar type of player in terms of the versatility um, to a guy like a Nurkic or something like that. In terms of being a passing big, the floor spacing would be really nice because you know, Nurk has taken a lot of threes. He hasn't made a lot. Um, that that kind of is looking like a one-year aberration right. last year. Um, but Olenek could do that for sure. I think offensively, he'd help you. Defensively, I think you'd still have some significant concerns to worry about there. Um, I like the Gafford one. Capella is still the dream target. Okay. But I, I, it's it's tough because, you know, it's hard to swing a trade with a starting center like that twice in a span of however many months that would be, um, especially since it happened right before training camp. So and it's going to be even compounded by the fact that, like, you don't have your big three out there. So you're not seeing how Nurkic can be optimized yet. You're kind of seeing a lot of the drawbacks more so than what he can bring to the table. Um so I, I do worry like the Suns might not make a move with Nurkic just because they might not wind up with a big enough sample size to be like, okay, this is good or this is bad. We need to change course, right. you know? 
any more, Lauren? Any other? Uh, t- you know, I list? had like a, I have a pretty long <laughs> list of of names, but I just like some of the <laughs> bigger contracts. I'm like, I just don't know that it. I don't know that I can see Phoenix moving money for Colin Sexton or even DeMar DeRozan and Tory Craig or right. trying to get in on Malcolm Brogdon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that there are potential mm-hmm. options out there. But I mean, I even think that they have a better shot at Clint Capella than I think that they have at Daniel Gafford, actually. I right. think that that could yeah. really yeah. materialize. And so I think for for Phoenix, I, I would say that I feel like they might have more options than people are going to jump to just assume. Like, would you have any interest mm-hmm. in like a Devontae Graham? If you mentioned campaign on your bench, are you does that even do anything for you in Devontae Graham? Not really with Devontae Graham. Like I did like you brought up Malcolm Brogdon. I know that's a guy that the Suns were definitely interested in over the summer as well. Um, especially before, you know, the injury stuff came out or whatever. Um, that would be an interesting one. Okay. I think he could be a good mix of like floor general slash scorer coming off the bench, pretty poised player who's been on playoff teams. That would be helpful for them. Um, I know that they were interested in DeMar DeRozan before the Bradley Beal thing happened i think at this point that'd probably be a little redundant it would be hilarious if james jones traded for tory craig at the trade deadline for the third year in a row i i wouldn't be opposed to it but it'd be wild it'd be peak comedy for me yeah and i Um, I doubt they have the guns to go after alex caruso because he would be he would be perfect for yeah he'd be great i'll say this this is the last year i believe the suns can aggregate contracts so uh, because they're yes. heading into second tax apron, new CBA, all that stuff. So they won't be able to aggregate all of these contracts to trade. So maybe that is an incentive for them to actually make some kind of move. Um, which, right. I, again, to to Lauren's point there, what that move is, how big, how grandiose of a move they want to do. I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I know that Matt Ishbia is going to be aggressive. He's going to, like we've seen it twice already. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of the people that when the Bradley Beal rumors first came out, I was like, that doesn't make sense. They wouldn't do that. And then 24 hours later, it was like, sure, why the <laughs> hell not? Like, I guess he wanted to come here. So now he's here. Um, so you never know when you have an owner like that and you have an attractive destination like Phoenix. Like, as much as Devin Booker seems to be like a controversial star or not as well liked on Twitter, like guys around the league really respect him and yeah. rock with him. Yeah. Like, is Devin Booker we, not we've well seen liked. Chris Paul? Is, is that it's got to be just on Mavs Twitter? It's this got to be Mavs Twitter. Coming <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I mean, they hate him. I mean, it's it's partly Mavs Twitter. I think Lakers Twitter. I I, I feel like a lot of people don't mess with Devin Booker that way, and I, I don't know if it was because of the the Kendall Jenner thing, <laughs> if it was because of the seventy point scoring night and a loss, all that stuff. It could also be that Suns fans can be kind of obnoxious sometimes. And we've been screaming at the top of our lungs for years that like, give this guy talent. And I promise he's actually good. Um, But yeah, it's one of those things where guys around the league love Devin Booker. They like hanging out with him, playing with him, whatever. So I think between those three, Frank Vogel an aggressive owner who they know is going to be willing to pay up for their services it's it's a place that guys will want to go. I don't know, you know, if a Clint Capella has the uh, 
the staying power to be like, I want to go to Phoenix, but <laughs> or um, I don't because you know, I don't like know. Devin Booker. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. No, I, right. That that's a that's a new thing to me. I don't know. Listen, on this side, I like Devin Booker. I'm a big fan. Yeah, okay, big big fan. Mm-hmm. He is. Um, yeah, pretty much every step of the way, that man has proved people wrong in terms of like what the narrative around him is. Uh, so I expect yeah. that to continue. To be honest with you, and I'm excited to watch the Phoenix Suns when they are fully healthy, Gerald. <laughs> When there are, yes, uh, yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed at this point. That is true. We have to have our fingers crossed because, yeah, who knows? You never know what happens. Lauren, anything else before I get Gerald to plug himself away and uh, and we get out of here? I mean, if the bar is in hell, the only place to go is up, right? Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. The vibes, right. right. vibes got to be good. <laughs> got to be good. Exactly. We're on the hey, up listen, and up. There we go. Winners work, <laughs> losers grind, baby. There you go. There you go. Yeah. There um, you go. Okay, Gerald, anything you got going on? Anything you want to kind of plug or push before we get out of here? Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that. Um, if you are interested in reading more about the Suns fourth quarter struggles or any of the Suns content that I put out, I usually write three to four articles a week. It's all over at gophnx.com. Um, if you are interested in Suns podcasts, we have our daily podcast, the PHNX Suns podcast, wherever you get your pods. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Gerald Borgate. Perfect. Amazing. Wonderful. Perfect. Love it. Good luck with the Phoenix Sun season, my guy. We will be following along as always. And thank you very much for everybody else who has tapped into the Objective Basketball Podcast. As always, do the liking, do the subscribing, do the reviewing you guys usually do. And we will be back later in this week to talk about the Raptors and the Mavericks as we usually do at the end of this thing. So thank you very much. Take care. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at The Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.